So we are making our way through destroying things that are not of God. We are at point five of unit seven of point A of the gospel is the power, divine power to destroy. We're up to things that are against the knowledge of God. So how do we know God. The only way that we can know God, the one true God, the most high God, the maker of heaven and earth, the only way that we can know him is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. This course is called The Gospel is the Power. The gospel is the connection. The gospel is everything. Without the gospel, you have not you have no access to the most high God and you have no access to eternal life. But everything that the evil one is constantly scheming is to get you away from the knowledge of God and to get you to fall out of the knowledge of God and to remove you so that you fall away from the opportunity for eternal life. So, Jesus even said, just as John 14, verse 6, a lot of people know this scripture already. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that's it right there. Couldn't be more simple. But he also said, this was in his high priestly prayer in John 17, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So to know God is eternal life. So all of these strongholds, all of these arguments, vain imaginations, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God is trying, like the serpent in the garden with Adam and Eve, to get you away from eternal life. It is an argument against you attaining eternal life. And we've got to keep ourselves connected to God through faith in Jesus Christ so that that doesn't happen. So there are also anything that is hindering or inhibiting your ability to know God, anything that is competing against the truth of the gospel and the finished work of Jesus in the things that you think, in the things that you believe, in your own personal desires, in your own personal affections, in the way that you approach things. So as you start really pursuing God, now some of you have been walking with the Lord deeply for a long time. You already know you already know that God has changed the way you think. He has changed what you believe. He has changed what you even desire. You don't even desire the same things that you desired before. The things that you like, the things that you set your affection on are not the same as what they were when you were an unbeliever or even a beginner believer. Um, And the methods that you use, the way that you go about doing things are different today than they were before because you have been transformed and renewed in your mind. And that's an ongoing process for people who are are just beginning. You might come into this thinking that what what you think, God thinks what you think is okay. Well, you're about to discover that a lot of what you think is absolutely dead wrong. God's going to change your mind about a lot of things. It's the renewal of your mind, and it's a good thing. It can be kind of confusing to consider that everything you've ever been told in this world is a lie, but the beauty of that is that the truth makes you free. So it's okay to acknowledge that everything you've ever been told is a lie as long as you're replacing that with the truth of 
of the gospel and revelation from the Holy Spirit in alignment with the word of God. God will change you away from things that are against the knowledge of God and bring you into a deeper knowledge of God. And this isn't in your study guide, but Paul also talks about this in his beautiful prayer in Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, Paul prays for you to know God, to know him beyond knowledge. You know, it's not just about book knowledge. We said that before, but to know God, that is Paul's prayer for us, to know God, to know the depths of God's love for us. That is an apostolic prayer for everyone, to be so connected to Jesus and to have such revelation of the gospel, what Jesus has done for us, that we are connected to the Father so deeply that we know His love and there's nothing hindering or inhibiting our ability to know God, that everything that has set itself up against the knowledge of God would fade and fall away because we are so connected to Him. So this last part is about taking our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. So those are the thoughts that are going through your mind, your own mental perceptions, your own what you think and what you purpose in your heart, in your mind to do. So we've got to take those thoughts captive. So like a slave, if you were literally at war in a battle and there was an enemy there, then you would take that enemy and bring them back and put them in prison. You you could also just kill the enemy altogether if you're in a real battle. But, you know, this is about taking the thought captive. Put it in prison, lock it up forever, and don't ever let it out again. We are taking captive our thoughts and we are imprisoning them in Christ's obedience. So there are a couple of different ways. Again, this can be a translation issue because in some languages— like in English, it's easy for us to say Christ's obedience. But in other languages, you would phrase it differently because of the way that sentences are structured. You would say the obedience of Christ. Who is obeying? It's Christ who is obeying. There are other translations that will translate this. You take your thoughts captive and make them obey Christ. So there are different ways of approaching this. I personally prefer, I think it's more accurate to go with take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And there are even different ways that you can look at that when you're in the, the process of the renewing of your mind and you are taking your thoughts captive so that your mind is renewed, not with things that are against God, but with things that are for God and that are filled with Jesus. You can think about Jesus' obedience, Christ's obedience, the obedience of Christ. So what does that mean? He obeyed on your behalf. That's a major part of the gospel. People need to get out of the self-condemnation and the religious mindset that I'm blessed or cursed based upon what I do. That's not what your righteousness is based on anymore. Your righteousness is based on Jesus' obedience. Your righteousness is based on your faith in the obedience of Christ. He obeyed God perfectly, something you could never do. 
But because of this, and the scripture is right there, for this is 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, he made him to who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him, in Jesus, because Jesus obeyed perfectly. This is taking your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. His obedience Even the fact that we can't obey, our faith is in his obedience on our behalf, and that makes us the righteousness of God. Another way of going about it as you go through your journey with God, there are different ways that you can see this, but not only did he obey on our behalf, but he also set the example of obedience. Jesus Christ was perfect in all of his ways. He was totally without sin. Okay, and so now what have we learned through this course? We have Christ in us. So we have the spirit of the one who obeyed God perfectly and gave us the example of perfect obedience, the same spirit that he had in him, we now have in us. So the example of his obedience, he can give us strength and power through the Holy Spirit to obey. We can take those thoughts captive. Everything that's trying to get us off of the path of God We can set our sights on the obedience of Christ, trusting that the Holy Spirit will also give us strength to obey God in the same way. So Jesus' example from Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Look, Jesus gets it. He knows all about it. He had a flesh and blood just like you and I have. He is not unsympathetic, but he still set the example of obedience. So just because he's compassionate and just because he can sympathize doesn't give you an excuse for your own disobedience. So he can sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So the obedience, his example of obedience, that is our plumb line. It is not, I hear this too often in the church of like, well, I'm a work in progress and, oh, it just takes a lifetime. You know, I'll never be there. Well, you know what? Sometimes saying it that way, you're letting yourself off the hook of the obedience that you need to be practicing today. Jesus was without sin every day. Are you even living your life to repent of the sin that you are in? to be more like him every day. Because John said it this way, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. We've talked about that before. If you're really in God, you're going to repent of sin. If the seed of the Lord is really in you, then you cannot go on sinning because you're in the process of being reformed and regenerated by the seed of God. Hallelujah. So we have to treat our thoughts, our purposes, the intentions of our minds and our hearts like prisoners and take them captive to Christ. We can't move to the right or to the left without God's guidance. We need to submit 
our lives. If Jesus had to do this, how much more do we have to do this? If Jesus submit all of his ways, everything he did to the will of God, like a servant to a master, then how much more do you and I need to submit ourselves completely to the Lord like a servant to a master? We can't just act on our good intentions or our own ideas. We need to bring everything to the Lord to see what He has to say about it and what He wants us to do. This is a very popular scripture, but trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And other translations say, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Now, I've even seen this scripture misused, misunderstood, misapplied. You know, people, they'll get into a situation that they don't understand. And instead of seeking the Lord for understanding, instead of seeking the Lord to submit themselves to him in all of their ways, they use this verse to let themselves off the hook of obedience and say, well, I don't understand. So I'm not leaning on my own understanding. Okay. No, if you don't understand, that's fine. God doesn't need you to understand. He needs you to submit to him in all of your ways, whether you understand or not. Okay. Keep on listening to the Lord. Submit everything, absolutely everything that you do to the Lord for Him to guide you. If you start living with the Lord that way, the Holy Spirit will guide you. Jesus said, beware how you hear. To the one who has, more will be given. To the one who does not have, even what they have will be taken away. That doesn't seem like the way that we want to do things, but that's what Jesus said about it. And it was about listening. It was about hearing. You've got to put yourself before Him to ask what he wants you to do, not just based on your own ideas. Good intentions are not evidence that you are in the will of God. I quoted this before. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Or from the book of Judges, everyone did what was right in their own sight. You know what? That was absolutely catastrophic. By the end of the book of Judges, the people of Israel were behaving no better than the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what doing what's right in your own sight, that's where that will lead you to. And ultimately, Sodom and Gomorrah is the example of the day of wrath. That's not where you want to be. You've got to submit. Take all of your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And Paul says we've got to do our best to understand what the will of the Lord is is. We have to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. You're starting to see how these things fit together. And again, only the Holy Spirit knows the will of God. The Holy Spirit shares the will of God with us as we listen to you. So Jesus, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit, he said it this way, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare the things that are to, to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit will repeat back to you what the Father is saying. The Holy Spirit will always glorify God. The Holy Spirit is God's communication mechanism. 
before there were cell phones. God put the Holy Spirit in people so that they could have a conversation with him. That's what this is. It's our ultimate eternal connection. It's the it's it the signal is never weak on God's end. It can only be weak if you're the one not listening. So just take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Get your signal up, raised up again, and listen to what the Lord has to say to you. He wants to communicate with you. Paul also said about the Spirit of the Lord, for who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Okay, so the Spirit of God comprehends the thoughts of God. If you hear something from the Holy Spirit, what you have is the will of God. You have submitted yourself to the will of God to do the will. You have to hear it, and then you have to do it. There are two parts. You can hear it and then not do it, but don't be that way. If you hear something from God, take it that you've received a command from the creator of the universe and do what he says, okay? But the last part of that uh, scripture is, for who has who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So by faith and through listening to the Holy Spirit, we can have the mind of Christ. So we're taking our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, or as other translations say to or we take our thoughts captive to obey Christ what what we're aiming for what we have what we've been given by the power of the holy spirit who writes the law of god upon our heart god has given us the mind of christ if we will turn to him and receive it by faith and listen to him submit ourselves in all of our ways to him and what he wants us to do we have the mind of christ and that is taking all of our thoughts captive to christ's obedience 